This is the Scott Thompson Show podcast. The University of Guelph student says she was assaulted for wearing a Trump hat. Uh, she is one of the, you know, make America great again hats. And, and, and she said, and I don't want to talk about the hat. Uh, although it looks like he got a deal at like an old hat place from the 1970s and said, I like those red ones. Can you just put something on there for me? He got these, uh, you know, he's got like a, like a shipload of hats for a real good price. Anyway, uh, and decided to make souvenirs out of them. So she has one of these hats. She was wearing it uh, at the University of Guelph. And, uh, you know, basically she said that she was assaulted. Uh, I guess uh, the hat was knocked off her head. Now, again, we'll get more clarification on all of this when we talk to Brenda Whiteside uh, with the University of Guelph. But to my producer, she had said that it was more of a flick than a... Well, it's more than a flick than a flap. Or is it a, f- a flick than a flap? A flip than a flap? It's more of a flip than a flap, we'll say. Uh, so we'll get clarification on, on all of that. But either way, it doesn't matter if it was a flick, a flap, or a whatever it was. You know, you can't be, you can't be touching people. You can't be going up and, and, uh, and assaulting him that, them that way, even though, of course, it doesn't provide an injury of any sort. So uh, the question is, why is the Trump win so divisive? Feel free to offer your opinion, but that is the story. Uh, we will, uh, of course, talk to Brenda coming up in the 1 o'clock hour. We had to switch her interview around due, due to a, a scheduling thing at the last minute with her. So let's bring in Alyssa Freeman. Of course, Alyssa PR, uh, she is with us, and see what her comment is on the whole hat flip-flap flick. The university handled this well and now has uh, a discussion moving forward on how they should deal with all this. They've turned it into a teachable moment, which is obviously uh, a good thing. Uh, she talks about meaning the girl who wore the hat. I guess uh, I guess people associate it with racism. Is, is that what we've, is that what we're taking out of this? Is that anytime you mention Trump or, or wear the hat similar to this, that you're associated with racism? Okay, I take exception to two things. When you wear a Trump hat after a very divisive and nasty election, it's going to elicit reaction from people either way. It could be the same thing if you were wearing a I'm with her hat. So the fact that the person actually flicked the hat off the girl's head, it's just behavior emulating the bad behavior that we came to see throughout the Trump campaign. So that doesn't make me happy. What makes me even more unhappy is that people who say, well, I voted for change, but I didn't vote for all the rest of this stuff This is happening, the misogyny, the, yeah. the racism, the, potent, the potential of uh, fraudulent trials. Yeah, you did. Yes, you did. And people, I had had this argument, and I've seen this discussion on Facebook. I wouldn't say it's an argument. What I'm trying to do when I bring up these things is facilitate open discussion. And I have friends that I know, not many, one or two, who absolutely voted for, you know, their, their husband had dual citizens, and they absolutely supported Trump. Mm-hmm. But what I see is, is that they say, well, we supported change, but don't call me a racist. Yeah, but you know what? When you support the guy, you support all of it. Mm. Okay? Hmm. And when you have issues like misogyny and racism that are directly attached to your candidate and continue to be perpetuated by the people that he is bringing in on his transition team, you just can't say, I'm not in for a pound or in for a penny. You are. So when Emily Murkowski says, well, listen, I have the right to express my political views, look, the girl wore the cap hoping to elicit a reaction. There is no way, shape, or form you can, you can argue that with point with me. However, when she got the reaction she wanted, she went and she made more of that, and she continued that narrative. And what 
kind of put me off of her narrative was she said, well, you know, I was afraid to wear my cap, fearing that we'd, I would be spat on during this interview. Yeah. Really? <laughs> really? You got your interview, honey. You got what you wanted. So essentially, you're only doing what you are decrying that your candidate does not stand for. Well, the other point so, is, is she, is she... Her story is so weak for me. I, the other thing I found interesting was that she th- she said, uh, I feel like you can't walk around the hat, uh, walk, walk, around, walk around with a hat on at this campus and feel safe. And I'm thinking, well, how do you think some of the people who are, are feeling who Donald has insulted over the over this campaign? Do you think I mean, they, do you think they feel safe? It's conjecture, but how would she react if she saw an I'm with her hat? Yeah. Or how would she react to that person? I mean, you know, I'm only seeing this very, very superficially. Uh, You know, I see her picture. They said, will you take a picture with your hat on? Oh, well, sure I will. And now will you look sort of defiant? Oh, sure I will. I mean, please. You know, she's saying that the media is making, um, you know, putting out the worst side of Trump, where she's just playing it herself. So this is not a win-win situation for anybody. Guelph is dealing with it as best they can by coming right down the middle. And they also clarified saying, well, if this was a hat that had a swastika on it or another hateful, a more hateful message, you know, Make America Great Again is not exactly hateful, a hateful message in the way that we would perceive it. Mm -hmm. But what it means is, and the underlying meaning behind Make America Great Again is far more insidious than people think. So, that being said, and, and the university has said, uh, the only time this would not be the case is if it was a political party that was promoting hate. Some may argue that he has promoted hate. Well, absolutely. And, you know, I was listening to you before, and you have people saying, you know, um, what, does, what does this mean for Canada as part of your poll? And one fellow says, well, it means he's just like us. Uh, no, no, he's not just like you. I mean, there's uh, a lot of narrative and a lot of talk about that he represents the working class, which is just fine. Um, if he can put in the policies and if he can put in the stimulus in order to get the middle class working again, you know, there hasn't been a politician since the beginning of time that hasn't played that narrative. So, and the other narrative is, well, we're going to drain the swamp. Well, who is Trump surrounding himself with the insiders of the insiders Mm -hmm. and industry leaders of all those people who, you know, feed the swamp? So, you know... it's just the other side. It's just the other. It's just the other side of the swamp. That's all. What is the other side of the swamp? <laughs> so, uh, you know, listen. This was this was a, an election that split America right down the middle, and there's a lot of people who may who really really believed that it was time for change, and you know it was the same reason why a lot of people voted for Justin Trudeau. They wanted change. Ten years of conservative rule was enough. They just wanted change, whatever that may be. You cannot compare that to what the change is that was represented in the U.S. election. So how long will this last, Alyssa? How long will we, um, and again, it's not happening a lot, but it's happening enough that, that certainly, you know, people are talking about it, and it's certainly getting lots of traction on social media, and then as a result, uh, traditional media. How long is this going to continue? It will continue for a long time. In fact, Scott, I would, I would, uh, I would say that it will, it's just getting started. Um, you know, there's already a march planned after the day of inauguration. I assume that during inauguration there will be lots of protests. There are marches being planned um, as far out as early spring. Um, a lot of women are organizing. You need to remember that, you know, Hillary Rodham Clinton did win the popular vote. He may have won the Electoral College, but she won the popular vote. 
So there are many Americans who do believe that hashtag, not my president. And I think that what this has done is it's you know, going to take away all the complacency of, oh, we'll just see what happens and not be complacent and get out there now. So it will be very, very interesting to see because I think that the reaction um, to the new president-elect has really just started. Purpose of the marches. Uh, election is over. You know, lots are saying on his team, you know, let's see what happens. Give him a chance. What's the purpose of the protest? What do they hope to get out of it? The purpose of the protest is, is to basically hold his feet to the fire that you may be in, but we still don't like what you represent. And so to sit back and wait and see, well, let's see what happens, and la, 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 la. No, you know, keep it up. Keep being uh, in, in front of the media, in front of the cameras. Keep your point of view out there. Because you can't let it, you know, if you're going to have a narrative that supports, you know, hashtag not my president, you have to keep that narrative ongoing. So when you keep it that narrative ongoing, you take up that part of the media that has to cover your message. So you just can't, if you truly are against Trump and you have something to say, what I'm seeing more and more in social media is I'm not going to be quiet anymore. I'm not going to be part of the secret face group anymore. I'm actually a Facebook group anymore. I'm actually going to say my opinion. Uh, girl, it was a girl wearing the hat and it was a girl that knocked the hat off. Would the story be different if it was guys? No. No. And it depends it depends how it would play out. I mean, the fact that it was a girl... Uh, the, the whole gender thing on this one doesn't um, play in, even though, you know, gender was a big uh, narrative as part of the... That's what I mean. Is, there, is, is yeah. there a parallel there? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that that's really a sub-narrative for me. I think it's more of the reaction and saying this girl decrying that she doesn't feel safe walking around the University of Guelph campus wearing what would be obviously an inflammatory um, slogan on clothing. I mean, the girl got into University of Guelph. She's a first-year student. Maybe she's taking a political science course, and maybe she'll learn something. Uh, we've only got about 30 seconds left. Uh, at the end of the day, where is this going? Where, what, what continues to happen? You know, I think that we need to have peaceful discourse. And I think that what um, the University of Guelph student has done is, in, in a, on a good way, she has actually uh, sparked some conversation. Conversation is probably happening on university campuses across Canada. And if she wants to wear a Make America Great Again hat, she should uh, be ready to suffer the slings and arrows, uh, so to speak. But she should also be allowed to wear it. All right. Uh, Alyssa Freeman has been with us. Alyssa PR. Alyssa, as always, thanks for the time. Much appreciated, uh, especially for helping us out. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. This is in regard to a story which happened uh, up at the University of Guelph and allegedly a student who was making, a girl was wearing a Make America Great hat again. Uh, Make America Great Again hat is what I was trying to say. And um, apparently it was flicked or knocked off her head, allegedly. We still don't have all the story there. Uh, We've tried to get a hold of the student. We'll talk to Brenda Whiteside, Associate Vice President of Student Affairs, University of Guelph, in just a sec uh, to get their side of the story and clarification on this. But basically, a hat was knocked off, and then, of course, she feels unsafe, the student who has the hat, uh, not being able to walk around campus uh, sporting her uh, Trump hat. To get uh, the university side of this, Brenda Whiteside is with us, Associate Vice President, Student Affairs, University of Guelph, and is with us now. Hello, Brenda. How are you today? 
I will. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing very well. Did you ever okay. think you'd have to deal with something like this? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Well, you know, I mean, elections, any elections sometimes can cause sort of um, unhappiness and heated debates. And this one in particular, given the the strong emotion, emotional response has, has had some um, debate. And of course, campus is always uh, a hotbed for this sort of thing, and that's great. That's what we're looking for, thinking outside the box, this sort of thing. But have you ever, have you ever in your time or, or, or in the history of the university or anything, had so many people involved with an election outside of uh, Canada? No, I think it's it's unique for outside of Canada. Certainly, when we're in Canada, we've had meaning outside of the United States. Outside, I'm sorry, in Canada. Of Canada, yeah, yeah. But I mean, for an election, a, a result that's outside, um, nothing quite like this. How do you explain it? Um, I, I think I think from my perspective, a number of things. I mean, certainly, uh, Mr. Trump in his in his campaigning um, made a lot of comments that are, are quite concerning to individuals and I, I think what's happening is that um, a number of, of groups are now saying if, if a man who makes those kinds of statements gets voted does that mean all the people who voted for him feel the same way and then what does that mean for us and I think you know part of what we're trying to do on campus is to explain to people that you know how one votes can be quite deep and there's all sorts of pieces that could be involved in that and simply a knee-jerk reaction against a Trump um, supporter is is not a healthy way to engage in a in a dialogue and obviously you guys are trying to make this a teachable moment aren't you yes right explain Absolutely. how you explain how you're doing that yeah so you know one of the things I mean the, tomorrow our political science department is going to be putting on a panel with experts coming in to talk about sort of you know the situation in the United States how how you got here you know what are the factors that people are looking to you know we're trying to um, trying to identify that you know what what you know here is not what you know in the states and um, really starting to ask students to unpack. Um, sort of the many issues that were on the table for when people voted, right? You know, um, many people were anti um, the free trade agreement, right? Many people are pro-guns. Many people, So, you know, you have to start to say people vote for all sorts of specific individual reasons. And, and you can't assume that then because they voted for one man that they voted for that all that man's beliefs. They right. voted for some things in the party. So, and, and, you know, we say that the same thing in our own elections. You know, try not to, so as students, when we encourage them to vote, understand the whole platform. Don't get focused on one item. Make sure you understand the whole platform, right? Do you think, so this, will in, do that. Do you think this will encourage voter participation in this demographic because of this you know, all yeah, of the, I do. All. I do think so. You know, we always encourage. Um, you know, one of the things we talk about our, to our students is encourage them to engage in areas, particularly around your values, things that are important to you, and that there's a number of different ways you can engage in that. In that, and you see that right now. You're seeing, you know, some um, peaceful act, activism, et cetera. But we also say, you know, if you don't vote, then then you don't have that say. And so we really encourage people to vote as well. So I'm hoping this will encourage that dialogue. All right, getting to this particular situation, mm-hmm. what can you tell us about this? Yeah, so I'm, all I know is from campus police that we did have an individual come forward complaining. Um, they are investigating at the moment. And, um, you know, my hope is that we can come to some understanding between the two parties in terms of, 
you know, it's absolutely, um, we want people to engage in, in debate, but not in a disrespectful manner, that, that people can feel very uncomfortable. And so how do we engage in a, in a positive way? You know, I'd hope that these two parties could simply come together um, and sort of, you know, understand how, how, how that flipping of the hat is inappropriate. We would definitely say that that's not appropriate. Um, but how can we sort of say, how do we move forward to have this dialogue in a positive way? So, um, but we haven't finished the investigation yet. The police right now, they will investigate the complainant, witnesses, and the respondent, and then prepare a report. Uh, do uh, do you know who the other party is? The person that I think they... my understanding is the police do, and that. Yeah. Uh, but I I'm not involved in the investigation, so um, I know that they haven't contacted that individual yet. But I think I think they will be. Uh, are you surprised that this incident involved two girls? No. Does it matter? Would no. we would we be looking at it differently if it was two guys? No. No. I I think at the end of the day, you know, people should have a right. You know. Um, you know, people should have a right to be able to engage in, in a dialogue around their beliefs, so long as they're not, you know, if, if, if an individual was spouting hate, that would be different, but in, in their beliefs in a manner that doesn't, doesn't result in a, in a confrontation, right? Um, but a lot of this is education. I mean, people are heated, and that, so I think what we want to try and do is to bring the temperature down a little bit and say, how do we engage in discussing where we're feeling in a manner that's respectful on both sides, right? Is the hat it make a difference if it was two men? Is the hat appropriate or inappropriate? Oh, I think that. So, from my perspective, you know, and this is where you start to talk about the educational moment, right? Mm-hmm. That you know, we do not, we would never say you can't wear um, a political uh, piece of um, apparel, right? Um, unless, of course, it was hate. Like if someone's wearing a Ku Klux hat. Clan hat or something. Of course, yeah. that would be no. Um, but you know, starting to think strategically around: if I wear that, what message am I saying? And if a person sees that, not assuming right, outright what that message is saying, right? That being so, said, though, I mean, and, you know, and I'm I'm certainly not comparing these two situations. But we had a situation here in Hamilton where a judge walked into the courtroom mm-hmm. wearing a hat. Uh, you know, and you've got a situation there with with uh, a young student wearing the hat. Um, not that it should matter either way, but can you do such a thing and not know that you're going to get some sort of response? I mean, when you put the hat on your head, do you not kind of figure out that that you're going to get some sort of response, whether it's even just a stare? Yes, and I, and I think you know that's one thing when we talk to students is is to know that there there are consequences by wearing that hat. You're simply saying you're a Trump supporter, and know that 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 brings about different emotions to different individuals, right? Because some people, and this is where we have to do the education, immediately see that then as well. If you, if you supported Trump, then you attribute all of his statements and comments. And that, and that may not be the case, right? But the person who wears that needs to understand, too, that some people are feeling really uncomfortable for, uh, you know, the concerns and what the implication of that is. So we would, you know, what you want to do is talk to both parties to say, you know, you can't just assume that, that, that they're similar, but also, you know, know that this is going to upset people and, um, and you know, think about that, right? So it, it's sort of trying to educate both in terms of those pieces. Is it a fine line for you when you say, you know, obviously you can't be wearing something that promotes hate when, and I'm playing devil's advocate here, and uh, obviously, you know, a person who wears this hat and perhaps supports Trump, Trump's been a person who's as we've said, been very divisive and 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 offended a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, is has, yeah. so is that not 
promoting hate by wearing something which some people, you know, a, a man who's a racist, identify it with a man who's a racist. I think the thing, the thing is, though, is that many people um, who voted for Trump actually voted for the Republican Party, right? Mm-hmm. And so the, the thing we have to be careful about is, is to make assumptions that, you know, a lot of people may be saying, you know, I'm happy Trump got in because, you know, I want that NAFTA broken down, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you hear people saying that, yes, he said that, but I don't really believe it, or I think the party's going to control him, but I really want these policies, right? I agree with his policies. I agree with this part, not this part. So... And that's where it gets complicated, right? You know, he's the president of the United States, right? Democratically elected. So, you know, I think I think what we encourage students to absolutely say, I'm offended by some of these comments, to advocate, to stand up for your values, et cetera. But we have to be cautious about then saying, you know, if anyone wears something that I find offensive from something they've said, I, I think we need to be cautious there, right? That, and it is a fine line, absolutely. And, and you know, that's, that's why we want to use it as an educational moment. Does this election give approval for those comments? I mean, others are sitting there, well, if Donald can say it, then I can say it. Yeah, I think that's one of the things. I mean, I think we are very clear on this campus that we would have zero tolerance for any of those types of, you know, hate comments, hate activity, you know, et cetera. So I think, you know, I think you're seeing around the world there's some people are feeling emboldened, and I, and I you know, we would really encourage um, individuals to, you know, protest, to stand up, to say this is not what we believe in. When you hear those comments, um, absolutely you take them on. How prevalent is this issue in the university today? Yeah, it, it's it's funny. I think um, it, it's hard for me to know because uh, on our campus, this is the one incident that, that people seem to be talking about. We've certainly reached out to groups that we think might be particularly um, uh, uneasy right now. You know, we, we do hear students say, you know, what does this mean for me? You know, um, what does this mean for Canada? Is Canada going that way? Um, and so I, I think I think we've reached out, but we haven't, on our campus to date, I haven't seen, this is the only incident that's come forward as a complaint to police. But that doesn't mean that students aren't having this discussion in their in their, you know, residence rooms and in their classrooms, et cetera. Right? So you do have the... F- it's a significant moment. So obviously this has commanded the attention of the campus, just like it has every place else. Oh, I think absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, I think that's the only thing anyone was talking about the next day. And yeah. I think that people are really starting to say, you know, what does this mean? So absolutely. Uh, are there any other incidents or situations like this or, um, you know, incidents of people wearing paraphernalia from the U.S. election? No, I haven't, uh, and so that you know, nothing has come to my office. So that that's all. That's the only way I can answer that. I haven't had any other incident across my desk. All right, uh, you talked about this leading to a uh, uh, a greater discussion, uh, discussion and a teachable moment and mm-hmm. such. Uh, where does respect fit fit into all of that discussion? Yeah, so I think that's my my point, right? Is that I think I think you need to, you know, what we always want to move, and I, I I urge people always to to listen to Hillary Clinton's concession speech, right? Because she talks about, you know, democracy and how do we start to 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 heal rather than further divide, and you know, labeling people further divides, but at the same time, and she's very clear, standing up for the values you believe in, et cetera. And so I think I think you know our our, our education moment would be to say to individuals, talk about your values, talk about what's important. Let's celebrate diversity on our campus. Let's celebrate inclusions. Let's have events that, that celebrate that rather than pointing to people and say, you know, because of how you voted, you're a racist and you're bad, because that's not going to bring 
understanding together. So I think that's where we want to focus more is on, you know, the, the advocacy and the positiveness of, of celebrating and bringing people to the positive. It seems that this result came in and everybody's been kind of floating around ever since. Should yeah. should leaders be saying something, whether it's Hillary? Well, I guess she has said something in her concession speech, but yeah, whether it's think... Hillary, whether it's Brock, whether it's even Donald himself, are you surprised he hasn't said something to kind of smooth things out and just settle things down a bit? Yeah, I think that what I would urge, what I would hope all leaders are doing right now is, is you know, um, is to sort of say, okay, we now need to move forward you know, as people, right? And there's been a lot of divisiveness here, and I would hope every leader would stand up and when they see incidents of, you know, hate, if someone does come out emboldened, well, Trump's in power, so I'm going to make a racist statement, every leader comes up and says, that's not my country, that's not my values, etc. I think that's important for leaders to do. But then I think Is it important, important for him to do, do you think? <laughs> I'm not going to speak for Donald Trump. I mean, I, I, you know, if I was a leader, I would be saying absolutely, yeah. you know, calling it, right? Um, and then I think really, you know, for me as an educator is to try and, and help students to how can they collectively stand up for their values and try and move in a positive way to ensure that, you know, our values are upheld in our, in our democratic process. Uh, and I'll tell them to get out and vote. Yeah, exactly. And, and boy, that, I think that's the greatest lesson. To, that's the greatest lesson to be learned here, Brenda, in all of this, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, this this uh, result, um, it certainly echoed what the disenfranchised have been saying uh, for a while now. Do you think this has changed public perception uh, and, and certainly political perception of, of how voters are really feeling? Uh, the fact that they are even so disenfranchised that they would put up with this just to avoid putting the status quo back in. Yeah, I think, you know, and this is where this is where I always caution people not to sort of make one one um comment, right? Because mm-hmm. I think there's a there's a lot of things that have happened, you know, in the US and we don't live there and we don't live it, right? You know, you have seen the decline in manufacturing and so a real anti-free uh, trade, because there's people blaming it's the free trade. And so, you know, we've got to get rid of the government that brought in the free trade, right? There's the, you know, I just want jobs back, right? So, you know, uh, he talked jobs, 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 he's going to give me my jobs back, right? So I'm going to vote for him for that. Or, you know, I want to protect my gun rights. So, you know, Republicans protect our guns, so I'm going to vote Republican. Like, I think you have to be there's just a lot of pieces, yeah. but I, I do think it is a reflection that, you know, that middle class has been hit economically and, and you know, really feeling that um, that maybe if they made a change, the the old days will return, right? Do you think and this think is like the Brexit vote? Well, but I just want to, I, I want to say too, you know, when you put back, like, it's also the Obama thing. Remember the Obama, you know, um, swept and it surprised everyone, and it was that we want to change, right? Mm-hmm. So I think I do think you're seeing, you know, there were there were there were years of great prosperity and great, you know, and now there's been now it's not quite as easy, and so you're starting to see people say, well, how can we get back to the way it was? Well, we just need a change, right? Yeah. So I, I do think you're seeing some of that, but 
you know, I think you have to understand the complexities of the economy and understand the complexities of what's going on in some of those states, right? Uh, expecting any more situations at the University of Guelph? Obviously, you guys are doing a great job in handling this by turning oh, it into a teachable moment. Yeah, um, uh, uh, and and way to, way to move it forward. Uh, do you expect any more of this? Is it that much or is this like an anomaly? Uh, no, I I think that there'll be discussions about this about this for a bit. You know, I can see, you know, once once you know his party is announced, people are going to be challenging that. And what does that mean? You know, people will watch that inauguration address, and what does he say? And what does that mean? So I think there's going to be some points where where it'll come back up, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think I do feel that if if you do, if you start to see some behavior that is not in alignment with the values of our students, then then you'll see some points again. So, but I think, you know, people are right now settling down a little bit, getting into their exams. And I think they're having that, okay, well, let's wait and see, right? Brenda Whiteside has been with us, Associate Vice President of Student Affairs, University of Guelph, talking about uh, the fallout of the Trump election and uh, campuses, specifically University of Guelph. And, of course, uh, University of Guelph using it as a teachable moment uh, to get the students engaged in all of this stuff. Good for you, Brenda. Thanks for the time. Have a good day. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. All right. uh, Lots of us are complaining about how much it costs to live in Ontario nowadays. Uh, whether it's electricity, this or that or the other. Um, It's difficult to make ends meet. And a couple in Kitchener was floored when they received their water bill last month. Instead of the $31 they normally pay, it had skyrocketed to almost $1,200. How does that happen when, uh, you know, you really, unless you bought a pool which I don't think would have happened. Uh, George Rendez is, is with us. He's the homeowner in Kitchener whose water bill has increased and is on the line with us now. Hello, George. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing all right under the circumstances. Of course, I'm hilarious to be on the front page. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. Uh, not the way you wanted to be on the front page, that's, that's for sure. sure. That's for sure. I would like to have a better occasion, but, <laughs> but still I made it even so I'm almost 85 years old. I still made it to the front page. Good for you, George. Congratulations. And congr- congratulations for stepping forward with this and bringing it to everybody's attention. Well, it brought on because I had several calls and, and uh, uh, it was actually triggered by another couple that is an identical uh, situation here in Kitchener, too. And that, uh, it was on, on CTV on Friday night. And uh, so that's when I really started to say, I'm uh, going to try to do something about it. And I called the record, and and uh, so so th- this is what happened. So you opened up your bill, and it's almost $1,200. What did you do then? Well, I just called them up and said, there must be a mistake. Uh, we, we, this is a, a 3,700% uh, increase, and there is absolutely no chance in my house that there would be a leak or anything. We, we are two elderly people. We, we live here in this house. We were here when there was water running, and we have a cottage. We go away. We turn off the water. There is a tap before and after the meter. Uh, there is, it's impossible that this water... I even uh, that this water has gone through my meter, and and another thing is, 
I dare them to come to my house and let the water run for a whole month, and it, it's, it's enough water to fill three swimming pools. Well, that's and the thing. How big a leak would you have to have to use that much water? I, I, I don't know. There would have to be. Uh, uh, I would have to have a bigger pipe in my house <laughs> to, 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 let, to let it run all the time. This is this is insane. This so is, let me clarify something here too, uh, as well, George. So the bill following the big bill was back was down to normal. Again. Was normal again. We usually have seven cubic meters. That's the average. I had it as low as five, but now it's two hundred. It was a that month for September, two hundred sixty-one cubic meter of water. Uh, can you imagine how much that is? It's almost like a pond. So how do they explain the fact that it was so high one month and yet it's come back down the following? They don't even explain. I, I, I actually, I'm defenseless here. I cannot do anything about it because otherwise they cut off my water if I don't pill it. I'm on an automatic withdrawal anyway. So there, there is some kind, some kind of a. I, I, I just. I, I use, so they've already taken the money out of your account. No, they will. They just notify me that next month they will take it out. Um, so, wh- so how do they explain this to you? Like yeah, well, they have no. Ex- they say you used it. Yeah, and that's all. And I have to take it. I, there is no. There is no justification. I invited them to. Uh, oh, they uh, they offered to uh, to to check my meter, but yeah. it would cost me two hundred thirty dollars in case it's okay. I know now already are going to be throwing good money after bad. Well, and again, if it were if the following month it went back down again, clearly that's not the meter. No, definitely not. There's nothing in my house. I invite anybody to come and check my house. Uh, and if, if we are so, hey, I even cl- we even flush our toilet only once in the morning. Uh, it, it, it's just, uh, so it's you've had so George wa- so George you've had no repairs done to your home or nothing had nothing leaking. Yeah. No plumbing. Yeah. Uh, my my lawn is white because I, I let it dry up. I did not water it. I did. I, we, we are very prudent people. I, I tell you. Uh, this is this is uh, we're flabbergasted. I just don't know what to do about it, and and this was my only. I just I called a record after I seen that uh, that uh, uh, spot in the, in, the, in the news that uh, there is identical people that have that was even more. They even had fourteen hundred dollars for that month, and then I now in the meantime I have a call from somebody that had nineteen hundred dollars, and uh, it just it just. So uh, what? So you have talked to these other people who have had similar situations. Situations to yours. What yes, did they say? They, they have no defense. We have no defense. I just hope there's going to come more people out of the woods and uh, or, or, and and that we maybe get something together, a protest. I haven't uh, no response from my aldermen yet, and uh, it's it's just uh, well. Eventually, I'm going to make as much noise as possible, and and thank you very much that you took up my case. And, so what what about this, George? Like, is there any way you could have left your garden hose on, and would that have amounted no to the amount? I would that have amounted to the amount of water that you? Know you... What we do when we go away, we're filling up a bucket in the front of the house, and so that the neighbors can uh, water our flowers and. We turn off the water when we go away. There is nobody living in our house. 
I tell you, you don't know how prudent we are. I used to be a refugee, and Canada was good to me, but now I get robbed and I get ripped off. It's just unbelievable. So what to the other people who have had similar situations to yours, did they have the same scenario where the bill just skyrocketed? Hang on a sec. Hang on a sec, George. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on, George. George, hang on, hang on, hang on, George. Let me finish. So the question I'm asking here is, did they have the same scenario where their bill spiked up and then came back down the next month for no reason? Yes, exactly. That's exactly. I see the identical situation. And, 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 and it's, it's, uh, the, the, the people is Robert pa, pa, uh, Pike. Ne- yeah. yeah, okay. And and and, uh, and we talked to us, uh, this morning extensively about it, and they have the identical situation. And there is there is no no explanation. We 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 are there is only only the uh, utility kitchener utility. We have no defense. We have no competition. I I I I'm, I don't want to get my water turned off. So what I get I have them let rob me and and it's it's. But anyway, yes, I can just thank you so much that somebody listens to me. So, George, let me ask you this. is that, Do you think there's a water thief in Kitchener or Waterloo? Do you think somebody's going in there and uh, grabbing no, your hose no, and no, filling no. up it's a truck? It's impossible. It's impossible. I, we are almost we are all old people. We are at home most of the time, all the time. And, and when we go away, I turn up the water. That's a insurance requirement, by mm-hmm. the way. If you if you don't turn off your water, you have somebody come and check your house, uh, and and I don't want my insurance to to, to run out or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just, so we are, I tell you we are actually super prudent. So and what happens now, George? What sort of recourse do you have? Do you have any? Well, no. Uh, so far, not. I gonna uh, gonna I go, intend to uh, contact my counselor, my city counselor, and uh, so so. Uh, well, what what do old people have? And uh, this, uh, I have no. Uh, there is no. I I'm not gonna go and and, and fight this in court yeah, because yeah. I don't have no evidence either. Yeah. Because uh, uh, how can I prove I didn't use the water? So how is there I any way? That? Is there any way of knowing? Do they actually know for sure that? The, the water has gone through the meter? That's what the, that's what the meter says. That's what the meter says, and the, the readings are there, and, and they say they're, 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 the, the city people have the, have the opinion and the position that went through your meter and you have to pay. Could there be a clerical error or a technical error somewhere? I don't think so. I don't think so. They don't admit to anything like that. I... I, I I simply don't know. You know, well, at, per people at my age, mm-hmm. we, we don't, uh, I'm not that, uh, you hear my accent and everything, so I just... Uh, now, what about, what about when, you, when you talk to your counselor and such? Did you get any, have you done that yet? They didn't call me back yet. Uh, they, to, they promised me that, he, that they would, uh, they, uh, there was uh, the number that I have, they said there wasn't uh, a present. That is, uh, uh, Cas- uh, that is uh, Yvonne Fernandez, and I did call, and uh, she is from my uh, uh, from my area, the the counselor. And uh, so far, she didn't call me back yet. But but we the, the paper only came out this morning, so that uh, people can be busy and uh, yeah. And, uh, so that's and uh, George, what was the time period that this water was supposedly supposedly in used the, in the months of September? So September. Before well, I used 
the, the bill before was seven cubic meters, and uh, and uh, it went right back uh, in in, uh, in October to uh, to uh, normal. And mm. I waited. Uh, now it's, it's it's I got the bills right here. There's nothing I can do. Mm. I hope you have some. Con- <laughs> I hope somebody hears this and 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 comes out of the woods. And then we could do something. And when when you as a chorus, is more to hear than than a single person, you know. So you've got a couple of other households that have yes, had the I same sort already. of uh, that have had well, the same sort of situation. Three or four, maybe so far. Well, well, we'll see what happens. Anyway, thank you for taking up my cause. Uh, you are more than welcome, George. And if anything changes, by all means, let us know. We'll uh, we'll pass on okay, the information. Well, thank you very much. So uh, let I, me I, ask I you this: need qu- all the help I can get. Let me ask you this question George so they are starting to take this off your bill next month is that correct uh, I, I called the supervisor of the girl that I, that handles my account mm-hmm. and uh, I couldn't get anywhere so I asked for the supervisor and then uh, some uh, gentleman from the city hall called me and uh, then they may, we made an agreement that they would take an extra hundred dollars a month off till it was paid and uh, then and then now they send me a notification that next month they would take the whole the whole thing off. So he he went back on his word, and but but that that is actually immaterial to me, you know. Mm. Like, I, I'm going to be out that money and, and for no explanation, and I feel totally innocent. And it's what what. Can as far I, as the city is concerned, is this closed? They have no other nothing else to so, say yes. on it. it is, it's, 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 it's done and over with uh, as far as this gentleman was talking to me. He, he does his job, and uh, so they, they, they try to extort as much money out of you as possible. George, good luck to you on this. Thank and you uh, very much. I need it, really. All right, George, thank you for the All time. Much appreciated. Bye-bye. Have a nice day. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. Let's talk about what we were, uh, what we touched on yesterday, and that, of course, mortgage rates uh, going up. And uh, not so much that they're going up, but the reasons that they were going up. And what we heard was the Trump factor, uh, you know, more infrastructure spending, tax cuts that will lead lead to inflation, uh, all trace back to the bond market, uh, which, of course, increases eventually uh, the price of mortgages and such. Uh, So oddly enough, today we're hearing from leaders in the grocery industry that, in fact, uh, grocery prices are going down. Grocery prices, of course, you know, a tremendous contributor to inflation when they st- when they start going up. And you remember that they were uh, several months ago. Now that has seemed to leveled off and they are coming back down again, uh, signaling that food inflation is not going to be an issue or isn't now. So how do we balance all this? What does it all mean? And how does this affect us? Let's bring in Marvin Ryder, business professor at Groot School of Business, McMaster University. He is with us now. Hello, Marvin. How are you today? I'm fine, thank you, Scott. Just a little trivia on the national bird question. You, of course, know the national bird of the United States. Bald eagle. Yes, but that was not what Ben Franklin felt was should be the American bird. He was a big believer in the wild turkey. Really? <laughs> if it had been up to him, it would have been the turkey would have been the national bird of the United States. So wow. to your list, 
You know, at least we're not talking about the Canada goose, we're not talking about a seagull, and we're not talking about the wild turkey. Boy, would that ever change the symbolism if we change those also two Also a nice around. cocktail, also a nice cocktail like the Whiskey Jack. <laughs> there you go. All right, let me ask you this, Marvin. Sure. Have you ever, do you ever re- remember an election in the past that has, A, uh, ended up with so much divisiveness uh, after the, the result and so much chatter on how it may change the economy going forward? Well, um, and divisiveness, you know, we, we maybe have quickly forgotten the 2000 election that saw George W. Bush uh, uh, triumph, if you will, over Al Gore. Much the same circumstance, Al Gore won the popular vote but did not carry the Electoral College. And remember, it all came down to Florida. There was 30-some-odd days. So that actually went into the middle of December before the Supreme Court finally declared it and, and said, let's move on from here. So it, it led to divisiveness, at least during those 30 days. But then once the Supreme Court decided it, it very quickly seemed to, to cool off. I think what we're seeing in the United States now, and we would have seen this regardless of which candidate had won, either Hillary or Donald, it, it was such a difficult choice and a split decision on those parts. I think we'll see these protests until the snow flies. And I don't mean to be cavalier about this, but you know, it's often easy to protest things when we're having lovely mild weather and, and I just put on my light jacket and off I go. Usually a one good snowstorm, is, it's interesting how that will cool off protesters. In terms of impact on the economy, the only reason why it's having the kind of impact it's having is that Trump's campaign lacked so much substance. He said he wanted to make America great again, and you said, well, just, just how are you planning to get those jobs for us? Well, I've got a plan. Yes, but how are you going to do it? Oh, oh, I can't tell you until I'm elected. Uh, I, I, oh, I, I, I think I'm going to rip up NAFTA. Well, sure, you don't have that power. Well, well, then I'm going to amend it. Well, well, but I'll tell you about it later. So that's the problem. Until he's inaugurated on January 20th, we just don't know what to make of a Trump presidency. We don't know if he's going to turn left or right or go forward, accelerate or break. And, and as a result, the markets hate uncertainty. Everyone hates uncertainty, and this has caused these ripples. The clearer or the sooner we know who he's going to put in those cabinet positions, whether I like them or not, as soon as he's clearer about what he's going to do on his first day, his first week, his first month on the job, whether I like it or not, certainty is going to help us all. Uh, you talked about instability. Obviously, the markets don't like that. The markets, are they up? Are they up post-election? I mean, from what I understand, they are. How yeah, do we stock- explain that through uncertainty? The well, stock market is up uh, for a couple of reasons, uh, and it's also up in Canada for a couple of reasons. First, petroleum. Um, Donald Trump doesn't believe in climate change. Uh, he's not likely going to follow through on any of the promises that were made in Paris. Flip side of this, he's also likely going to approve some pipelines like, oh, I don't know, Keystone XL. Yeah, mm-hmm. And uh, because half of the stock traded on the Toronto Stock Exchange is petroleum-based, and if I'm a person living in Alberta who's been in a recession for the last year and a half, finally some good news. So they're all thrilled about all of this. Uh, frankly, in Canada, the only thing that I'll say concerns me or, or scares me a little bit, and here again, I don't want to sound like I'm not an environmentalist, but We've got Justin Trudeau, we've got Kathleen Wynne, we have some other jurisdictions talking about bringing in carbon taxing, and absolutely I think that's the right thing to do to deal with climate change, but if our neighbors to the south are not going to bring in similar kinds of taxing schemes, we may create an economic climate that's not good here in Canada. The other thing that's going on is we have been thinking for several months now that the Federal Reserve Board in the states was going to raise their prime interest rates they did not do it at the last setting here, which was just a couple of weeks ago, but they signaled every which way they could that they wanted to do it just before Christmas of this year. This would also match Donald Trump's 
plan, if I can call it that as best we can call any of things his, a plan, uh, that he wants to invest in infrastructure, not unlike Justin Trudeau, and all that money is probably going to have to be borrowed, and that's going to stimulate borrowing, so we think interest rates are going slightly higher. And this is what led yesterday to um, a couple of the major banks, RBC and TD, to minutely, uh, and I don't want to, again, overstate this, but minutely increase their fixed-rate mortgages. We talked about a basis point, that's 0.01%, so they went up 0.15%, uh, not even a quarter of a percentage point on these fixed-rate mortgages. They're still under 3%. They are still historically the cheapest money we've ever had in Canadian history, but they're getting themselves ready just in case the Federal Reserve Board raises their rates next month. They won't be caught flat-footed. If you're a person needing a mortgage, again, I think my best advice for you is don't get a fixed mortgage at this point. Stay variable. There is no sign that Canadian uh, rates, at least charged by the Bank of Canada, are going to change at all in 2017 and probably not until early 2018. You should have more than enough warning then to convert from a variable rate mortgage to a fixed mortgage and lock in to weather any storm down the road. But for the time being, I tell you to stay variable, then you won't be affected by these rates. Why are the Bank of Canada rates not fluctuating like the mortgage rates are? Well, the Bank of Canada is trying to walk a fine line. You know, they, they want to see, and I mean, I know this again sounds maybe silly to say it like this, but they want to see inflation running at around 2% a year. That's considered healthy growth for an economy. If it got up to 4 or 5%, then they would probably raise interest rates to cool that off a bit. Of course, we've been running more on the rate of 1.3, 1.4%, and we get the story of one step forward, one step back. I, I, don't, I don't like to go back to talk about bad news, but remember the first half of 2015, we actually slipped into a minor recession uh, caused by oil prices. In the second quarter of this year, our economy shrank thanks to a big fire. So we're still not really chugging on all cylinders. So if I'm the Bank of Canada, I don't really want to raise rates and cool off, which is still a rather sluggish recovery. There's talk of them even thinking about cutting rates. Well, that probably is not a good thing to do if the Federal Reserve in the States is going to raise their rates. So just locking them in where they are and, and continuing to chug forward seems to be the best strategy. Uh, obviously, a food, a, ma- a major factor to inflation. Uh, we've all noticed our grocery bills going up uh, in the past. They seem to be leveling off, so say the big food giants at this point. How does this affect all of that? So, I, again, I want to recap what you just said, and I, I again, don't want to under understate this. Our food bills have gone up over the last three years quite a little bit. We think right now we're seeing a period of deflation where prices are going in the opposite direction, and they seem to have fallen about 2%, somewhere between one and a half, two 2%. The big ticket item there is meat. Meat has got a little more plentiful, and thus the price has gone down a little bit. We were a bit of a shortage before around some beef and pork. Now we've got a little bit more supply. Prices have fallen slightly. But still, Scott, 25% of Canadians are worried about just putting food on their table, and I don't think a 2% price decrease has changed any of that. What the, what the major grocers said, both Metro and, and uh, Loblaws said yesterday, though, is that they believe this short-term trend is going to continue, that they think we're going to see a bit of a, an easing off on fruits and vegetables. We're going to continue to see easing off on meat, and that probably for the foreseeable future, meaning the next six months or so, we're going to get a little break at the grocery store. But I don't think you should be celebrating. There's not a 25% cut in prices. There's not a 10% cut. It'll probably be maybe when all is said and done somewhere on the order of 3 or 4%. Good news, but certainly, again, not great. Is this a result of supply and demand, though? Some of it is due to supply and demand. Some of it is due to uh, 
uh, not not having things like frosts or funny weather conditions in other parts right. of the world. Um, food, uh, excuse me, uh, grain prices went down, and so that's the feedstock for livestock. They can feed them more economically, so it doesn't cost as much, and that has driven down meat prices to some extent. Um, there's just there's no one factor I can point to, but there there wasn't a frost, for instance, that set up orange juice prices. The Canadian dollar has stabilized when it was falling. Then imported goods got more expensive. Well, we're not seeing that now. We seem to be pretty stable, plus or minus around 75 cents on the American dollar. So you know we're able to finally get back to a position where you're feeling a little let off, just in time for Christmas, and nothing wrong with that. But it's not a huge let off. I think the average person shopping during this season will still say. Boy, food prices still seem high. Hmm. Uh, right up until inauguration in January, will we have this instability? Will um, you know? Will people be uncertain as to what a Trump government is going to look like? Yeah. So I, I giggled there when you were when you were saying that because I think it's not going to end on January twentieth. Uh, Donald Trump seems to a be a man of surprises and willing to uh, change directions on the drop of a hat. So I think even when it seems to get stable, no one's going to believe it's stable. And then, obviously, it'll be his actions. So, okay, now you're, you're, you're president, you have the inaugural ball, and you wake up the next day. What is it you're going to do? And, and what are you going to do the next week? What are you going to do the week after that? Until we get a much better sense of, of which way the wind is blowing, I think it will stay volatile probably through to February, maybe even in March. Uh, and then that only assumes that Donald Trump will fall into some kind of a predictable pattern. He's got an interesting uh, assortment of advisors at this point. He's announced a, a very steady hand, a very, um, uh, what do we want to call it, uh, a part of the machinery, if you will, in his, his uh, chief of staff, Reigns Priebus. He, he was sort of an anti-establishment guy, but he couldn't pick a more establishment guy if you tried. <coughs> Excuse me. On the other hand, this Mr. Bannon, he's a bit of a wild card. Yeah. Uh, NAFTA. I mean, he's talked about the first day or first week he's in. He's going to start uh, rejigging all of this stuff. You, as you mentioned earlier, that's a little bit more difficult than what he makes it sound. How will this affect Canada moving forward? Well, again, let me be, be clear. I don't think he's going to rip it up because he doesn't have the power to rip it up. What he does have the power to do is, is sort of have another round of negotiations. And both Mexico and Canada have said, in the wake of Trump being elected, that we're not opposed to looking at NAFTA too. First thing we'd like to see in NAFTA too is some talk about softwood lumber, the pine, the the spruce, the cedar that seems to be a constant irritation in our relationship with the United States. So bring it on, Donald. Of course, Donald wouldn't do the negotiating. His statement during the campaign is that he would find uh, leading business people, people who are known for negotiating good deals, don't have the bureaucrats negotiate. Let's get these business people in negotiating. So there will be a certain period of dancing around as everyone figures out who they are, and then we'll see, see how serious he is about it. I just don't get a sense on Donald's list of things to do that renegotiating NAFTA is truly at the top. What he might do first is just not ratify something like the TPP, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. But after that, I, you know, does he want to build the wall first? Does he want to slap tariffs on Chinese-made goods? Does he want to drive ISIS out of Syria? You can't do everything first, and that's what we just don't know is, okay, what are your absolutely real priorities here? Uh, in regard to the trade deals, is it time for an update? Is that good? Is that bad? Do these things change over time? Is it, is it a good idea to, re, to, to revisit this, or does it just create more turmoil? Yeah, well, it certainly creates turmoil. We, we were not planning. Canada was not planning to, to renegotiate NAFTA. In a way, we thought Trans-Pacific Partnership was going to be NAFTA, too, Canada, the United States, and Mexico are part of that, and there were things in 
the Trans-Pacific Partnership that are not in NAFTA, and so that was sort of like NAFTA too. If he's not going to approve Trans-Pacific Partnership, then we would have some things to talk about. We're not in a rush to change it. Um, most whether it's the government or even some academics like me, where there's really been a net benefit to Canada. I know most people don't think that, but there really has been a net benefit to Canada over the time of NAFTA. So no real need to change it and throw it out. But if you've got a partner who really wants to talk, it doesn't hurt to talk, and let's see what can come of it. Does uh, Donald's position on climate change change the direction, as you mentioned earlier, that our country is going in, and how will that affect it moving forward? I I think this is the big question facing Justin Trudeau. Justin, Sunny Ways, you know, Mr. Sunny Ways there wants to be seen as the green prime minister, environmental prime minister, and not that long ago approved legislation to implement a carbon tax nationally in 2018, if one wasn't always uh, already present in various jurisdictions. Now, British Columbia already has one. Alberta, amazingly, uh, normally <laughs> a, a province you'd think wouldn't consider it, because they have an NDP government, they're planning to start a carbon tax in 2017. And Ontario planning to do not a carbon tax per se, but something called cap and trade, which indirectly has the same impact as a carbon tax, starting that in 2017. All of these things are are probably good from an environmental standpoint and help us deal with reducing carbon dioxide emissions, and that's going to improve the environment. My only concern is that, at least here in Ontario, we have manufacturing interests just on the other side of the Great Lakes. And so if Pennsylvania doesn't have a carbon tax, if Michigan doesn't have a carbon tax, Ohio doesn't have a carbon tax, will that attract multinationals who manufacture on both sides of the border to shift some of their production to a lower tax environment. Donald's also talked about reducing the very basic business tax. What's helped us in Canada is that the United States historically has had a a higher business tax rate than we have. You can credit Jim Flaherty, the former finance minister there, and and Charles Souza and his predecessors here in Ontario. Both Canada and Ontario set themselves as a cheaper place, and one of the benefits we got was the merger between Tim Hortons and Burger King, where they took advantage of this by moving their head office. If Donald can make any of this happen quickly, then I would be concerned at the double whammy, cheaper taxes in the United States at the same time that we put on a a business tax in Canada and Ontario. That's why I thought maybe in Charles Sousa's economic update this week, he might say we are delaying or slowing the implementation of the cap and trade. To their credit, they aren't, and that makes them very environmental. But from a business standpoint, I would hope they will watch and see to see what how big a gap we get between these two economies. Yesterday, as I mentioned, and we started off this conversation, the chatter was in regard to interest rates. But for those here in Canada, you can't see that changing much in the near future. No. Uh, in fact, even when the Federal Reserve Board likely increases the rates in December, it'll be by a quarter of a point in the United States. And then they'll sit and watch that probably again for at least six to nine months. I don't see Canada moving any time in the first half of 2017, and, and for it to move in the second half of 2017, we'd actually either need to see the United States economy get chugging on all, uh, all cylinders, Europe chugging on all cylinders, or China chugging on all cylinders. Neither of those three economies look all that great at the moment. And with Donald Trump, in fact, I, I think his biggest challenge will be meeting expectations. People have given him a mandate to make America great again. And look, you've got two weeks start now. I just don't think he can make America great as fast as he wants to, and then I think people are going to get really quite angry at him. So 
really for the next year it's going to be much of the same. Marvin Ryder has been with us, business professor at the Group School of Business, McMaster University. Marvin, as always, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. My pleasure, Scott. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.